In the holy name of Jesus. In 2 Kings chapter 22, 640 years, give or take, before Christ, King Josiah takes the throne. He's eight. And pious lad that he is, he takes immediately to cleaning his room. He cleans out the temple after 50 years of neglect, after being cluttered with false gods, after falling into a state of disrepair. He sends in the carpenters and the masons and the builders to work. And one day, in the midst of all the construction, the high priest finds a book buried in the back of the temple. It's an old book, dust on the cover, buried somewhere in the back, no doubt among the old church directories. But it's in good shape, and it is brought out immediately and read before the king. And it turns out, it's the Bible. It's God's Word, hidden somewhere in God's house under a thick layer of dust. And as the secretary reads it aloud, it further turns out that God's people had not been keeping God's Word, unless you count keeping it in a closet somewhere in the back. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me. Go pray for me. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. They had not been listening to what Moses tells us in the Old Testament lesson. They had added to God's word. They had taken away from it. And then ultimately they just kind of threw it in the back of the temple. But Moses had warned them, only take care. And keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen. Make them known to your children and your children's children. These things that their eyes had seen, of course, are the wondrous words and the works of God. They were the things that were found by Josiah in his book. They were the words and the works of God as God brought out his people from Egypt and slavery. They were the things that God did to draw near to his people, to dwell among them, to forgive, renew, and strengthen them. And they were the things that God had promised them and also promised never ever to forget them. But they had forgotten him, of course. And they had buried his book somewhere in the back of his own house. This account of young Josiah, then, shows us a miracle an eight-year-old king who breaks off from the ways of his fathers to follow the way of the Lord again. And it is also a miracle, much more, of a God who reminds his people of his word even after they had often and intentionally forgotten it. You know, it wasn't like they all had amnesia one day. They worked very hard to forget God's word. I want to take a moment to point out to you a practical joke that occurs in the middle of our Old Testament reading as we read it today. If you look closely, you will see that verse 2 clearly says that one is neither to add nor to take away from God's word. And then you will see that verse 3 is taken away from God's word. It's omitted. And I'm sure the, the, you know, the lectionary committee had a good reason for, for doing so, for brevity or for clarity. And it's all rather 
harmless. Uh, except that these three verses, it seems to me, are a wonderful illustration of what Jesus addresses in the gospel. They are the best link I can think of between the two texts. These three verses recall an incident in the wilderness at Baal Peor when Midianite women come to seduce the men of Israel into, of course, sexual immorality and then the worship of false gods, the worship of Baal. And this little incident does at least help us understand the, often the results of our sins. What those men did is fell into sin. And what did that sin do? It caused them not just to stop there, but also to go after false gods. Because the thing is, Yahweh has something called a sixth commandment, right? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Baal doesn't have a sixth commandment. <laughs> he says, have at. And so, what do they do? Do they return in repentance to the living God? Or do they go off after Baal, who has particularly no standards whatsoever? And so, uh, obviously, they choose the, the easier of the options. And so, Moses brings up this three-verse little story as an example of what happens when you forget God's word. And thus, Moses urges the Israel that is left, that is faithful, to remember God's word, neither adding to it nor subtracting from it. And it's really rather simple, isn't it? What are the things that we are tempted to subtract from God's word? Well, it isn't the verses that you find on Hallmark greeting cards. Right? It isn't Philippians 4.13, uh, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Everybody loves that verse. Um, what we are tempted to remove... Instead, are texts like our gospel text for today when Jesus says, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within. And they defile a person. We are tempted to remove things like that because we don't ever hear about them anywhere else. The world wants us, for instance, in this case, to think that a human being is a blank slate. And the younger and the more adorable you are, the more you are a blank slate. You couldn't possibly be what Jesus says you are. And to think that if you can just, therefore, keep everything out... Right? If you can keep the bad things away, then you'll be good, you'll be okay, you'll be pure. But Jesus tells us today there's no such thing as neutral. There's no such thing as a blank slate. Jesus says everyone's heart, by nature, from the get-go, is full of all of these wicked things. So Christian living isn't just about keeping bad things out. The patient is already sick. And terminally so, and so it's far too late for preventative care. What he needs is treatment. What he needs is something from outside him to come into him to heal him. And that is what the word of God is. This is why Moses commends God's word to God's people so forcefully and repeatedly in Deuteronomy. He elsewhere says that they should literally write the word of God on their doorposts and on their mantles and on their walls. And you should talk about it when you uh, get up 
when you lie down, when you walk around, and when you sit down. Yeah, that just about covers it. Because Moses understands that God's word is medicine for our terminally sick hearts. Left to themselves, our hearts will only ever be what they are by nature. Evil, adulterous, uh, deceitful, proud, envious, uh, foolish, all the rest. And at last they will become dead. And so what we need early and often and right now is the medicine. The Christian life is not something that you can maintain by yourself. Because the Christian life is not something you can really even possess by yourself. The life of Christ is only ever given to you through Christ and through his word. Which is why Christians from forever, and Lutherans in particular, as is written in the Augsburg Confession, gather at least every Sunday. We are called to remember often the wondrous works of God and his holy words, and that does not happen by nature. By nature, left to ourselves, uh, you know, that is the most unnatural thing that one can do. And so we are called to remember these words, and as Moses said, to bring up our sons and our daughters, likewise to remember. Josiah was eight. May we bring up Josiahs among us. So as we said, today's gospel is one of those texts that we are tempted to ignore. Of course, we should resist that temptation. We should instead dwell richly upon these words of Jesus. And one way we've done that this month is we had the Bible verse uh, to memorize from St. Paul's uh, letter to the Ephesians, chapter 6, regarding husbands and wives. Uh, Adultery, as we talked about, uh, Jesus says, dwells in every one of our hearts and is practiced by the Israelites at Baal Peor. Um, That adultery is undone when husbands love their wives and when wives submit to their own husbands. Hearing God's word encourages us and actually enables us so to do. But there is another fruit of this gospel reading today. It isn't just that we should remember to read this text, kind of like remembering to eat your vegetables. This text is actually worthy of its name. It is good news. Because this text is basically the full, it is entirely, not basically, it is entirely the full list of all the things that keep people away from here, that keep people away from church. Every single one of them is listed in this text. What keeps us from church, what keeps us from Christ, is all of these things. Is our immorality, our sins, our foolishness, and especially our guilt over these things. We are just like the men of Baal Peor, who let sexual infidelity become religious infidelity. We become afraid of our sins, and so we stay away, or attempted to. And even if we do, thanks be to God, come to church, come to Christ, we probably know those who are not with us because of their guilty consciences. You know, if only they could hear the words of this text today, this gospel, if only their guilty conscience could hear what Jesus already knows about them, 
and what he already knows about each and every one of us. I mean, this is striking, right? He already knows. He knows. He knows about you, even the things no one else does. And here's the thing. You, do, you all just heard that reading, so you know too. We are tempted to think that our sins will surprise other people, other Christians. We're tempted especially to think that they will surprise our pastors. But your pastor has read that list in public probably a dozen times. He knows. He is not surprised. You know, you could go to the federal penitentiary and scour it, and you would never find a single person who has done anything that isn't just written on that list from Jesus today. It's on the list. We must stop acting as though we are going to surprise Jesus, as if he were to hear our sins in shock, as if they will change anything at all about his relationship to us. He knows. He is not surprised. Why on earth do you think he has come into this world? He is not surprised. Why do you think he hoisted himself upon the cross? Because he knows. And that is why he has come into this world, and that is why he has come into this house. Because he knows you. Because he knows you, and he is neither surprised, nor indignant, nor afraid of your sins. He is merciful. He is slow to anger. And he is abounding in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So be not afraid. Do not be afraid of your sins because Jesus knows. Read his gospel list today with joy. The joy that is not found in appearing better than you are. But the joy that is given from the outside. That comes from Jesus into you in bread and wine. And when you hear those words... The peace of the Lord be with you always. Take a deep breath and say, Amen. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen.